It's October 12th, 1996, and Novocaine for the Soul by Eels is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock Chart. Hello, and welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I'm Al. I'm Quillen. And I'm Trav, and this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart in the 90s, beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in April 1994. Today we'll be talking about Novocaine for the Soul, the first single from Eel's debut album, Beautiful Freak. (laughs) (laughs) Novocaine for the Soul spent two weeks at the top of the modern rock chart. Here is a clip. Life is hard, and so am I. You better give me something so I don't die. All right, here we are. Talking about eels. It is the eels, not the eels. Eels. Yeah. I think. Eels. 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 I guess I sort of referenced this in uh, the joke uh, last episode, but um, did either of you watch The Mighty Boosh? Uh, so, some episodes. There's, there's a weird green cockney man. Who comes into the shop and he sings a song about eels and he goes eels up inside ya finding an entrance where they can and it's uh it's it's actually pretty cool it's that's what you were referring to I, okay. well i wasn't really referring to it but i maybe i was stealing it i don't know okay i just yeah. uh know and love old greg yeah yeah, yeah. um well do you all remember hearing this song on the radio? Yeah. V- very vaguely, but yes. Trav, you seem like you have stronger memories. Yeah, of it. maybe more MTV, um, mm. which hmm. was equally important and prominent. But uh, It does have a great video. It has a great video. I think. I agree. Yeah. Shoot, um, I didn't even watch the video. Oh, man, oh, you should God. watch it. Just... just your loss. Kind of tune us out for a second here and pull it up. And kind of kind of the listener's loss as well. <laughs> <laughs> that they have such a poorly prepared podcast host. <laughs> wow. um, but yeah, this was totally like had novelty written all over it for uh, a lot of people. I think they saw it. And, and I don't quite know why. It's, it's strange and it's different than uh, other songs. Um, it doesn't quite sound like much else um and it's got that weird kind of uh i don't know like that marching drum beat at the beginning or the shuffle waltz kind of thing it's a sample right it sure sounds like sure sounds like it jinx Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> and there are moments where uh, that sample thing, that that concept, kind of like, um, I don't know, made me think of uh, soul coughing throughout the album. Mm-hmm. There were some similarities there, and um, you know, it could be argued that there's a strong sort of novelty vibe with them too. But, anyways, all of that is to say, yeah, I heard Eels on the radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have vague memories of it. Uh, not super strong, but I remember liking it. And I, I really like this song quite a lot. I, I, I like almost everything about it. Uh, Quill, how are you feeling about it? Man, I got there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I couldn't uh, think of it before um, digging in for, for the episode. And when I listened to it for the first time, this this go around it it all came back to me um and yeah i don't think i had any thoughts about it when i was a kid i don't think i disliked it or particularly liked it i think i just knew it was a song and whatever um and yeah uh yeah i i i really like it i think it's a really cool song um there are moments that are better than others but um yeah, it's it's cool. Cool song. I've mentioned this before, but uh the line black is white white is white and black is black, Jesus and his lawyer are coming back is I think one of the great nineties lines, and I'm not necessarily even emphasizing really the great part, I'm emphasizing the nineties part that this just like so perfectly nails what like nineties radio lyrics were always trying to do, which is sort of like take something sacred and then somehow find a way to make it an ironic comment on, I don't know, the, the, the malaise of the modern world or something like that. Um, I just think that that works really well in this song. Al, I have uh, bad news for you. Uh-oh. According what? to the internet, the lyric is actually, life is white and I am black. Oh, okay. That's right. <laughs> whatever i guess i'm not gonna worry about that too much um when the drums come in quill they're pretty hacky sacky oh yeah yeah what do you think of that drum sound and that it's funny the the beat i didn't even think about the beat and like i didn't even yeah it didn't even think about really is it a really high-pitched snare yeah dude i think it's another instance of either piccolo snare or you know like we were talking about with um down by 311 like it's either piccolo snare or just placement of the snare drum hits um Mm -hmm. hitting closer to the rim versus like the closer to the center of the drum um and yeah it's definitely very high pitched and and i think that is the detail that i remember the most about it um mm-hmm. from from being a kid at that time i mean i was into ska music and 311 and so i loved really high-pitched snare uh snare drum um the actual beat like you said very hacky sack um pretty similar to um uh that jane's or yeah that jane's addiction song um Oh, Ben caught stealing. Ben caught stealing. Yep. Yep. Uh huh. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's a cool groove, right? I think the groove mm-hmm. is is sweet. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm cool with the drums on it for sure. And it, 
I know we'll get there with the album, but uh, it changes from song to song too, which is um, cool. It's not high pitched okay. snare drum uh-huh. all the way through. My only real strong memory about the song is being at a basement party and this absolute boner that I went to school with had this like Beavis and Butthead routine about the uh, life is hard, so am I line. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, what do you think this song is about? Pro- probably what a lot of songs from the era are about. You know, I mean... Things being shitty and like trying to uh, get away from that or improve a situation or uh, it's about drugs. Yeah, I guess now that I think about it, it's maybe not as um, as specific as the title and sort of theme of it sounds like it feels like it's maybe more like impressionistic uh, lyrically mm-hmm. where it's just sort uh-huh. of like, you know, taking some broad strokes here and there and putting assembling it all together like a collage and it is mm-hmm. you know the finished product yeah i mean there's seems to be with the the chorus some idea of just wanting to feel numb um something something about the modern world man makes him want to feel numb mm-hmm. he wants that novocaine for the soul um i guess it also just kind of communicates the eel's morbid view of the world that he's asking for that novocaine for the soul before he sputters out that's kind of like becomes the refrain like give me something to kill the pain before i die and that's kind of like the most that he seems to hope for out of life that i don't know that definitely seems to be there there's a there's a very specific brand of 90s male misery on display here that is a little fight clubby maybe on the mm-hmm. album um or a little uh what else requiem for a dream or something like that i don't know uh it's got more of a sense of humor than than darren aronofsky does but <laughs> yeah uh i can confirm that uh it is a sample um that opens the song it is let the four winds blow by fats domino I like the way you walk, I like the way you talk, let me hold your hand, try to understand. Okay. It's a, the song's really nicely produced. I mean, we'll talk about John Bryan a little bit more later, but. The, con- um, the collection of producers on it is fascinating. Is there a collection yeah, of producers on the whole album? It's like three. Yeah, we, we can talk about it more later, but it's, it's three guys. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of good like Mellotron and like mallet instruments on a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff. And um uh good guitar sounds too. That chorus has some really nice um simple guitar, but really satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um Trev music video, uh what do you remember what, what stood out to I you? I mean the part where they floated and played their instruments. Yeah, that well, is pretty cool. Which is I mean, that's the whole video right Mm -hmm. it's like it's like kind of a one note uh concept but it works and it's great Mm -hmm. especially relative to like the videos we've seen it to this point it might be the best video or one of at least yeah we've seen yeah 
he kind of uh the the whole band kind of lifts off into the air and they just kind of float in space um did you happen to see who do we know who directed it i didn't check i just wonder we're heading into this sort of like california scene that involves like all these kind of buddies you know john bryan and then Fiona Apple, and then, you know, P.T. Anderson's going to get involved in all this stuff, too. There's kind of like all this um, scene altogether. Mark Romanek yeah. directed. I was going to guess uh, one, somebody with one of those DVD collections of their music videos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Romanek directed um, One Hour Photo. Really? Oh, really? And never. I like that movie. And yeah, I know that a lot of people hate that movie. I liked but... it too. And never let me go, which I never saw, but I read the book. Okay. Yeah, he did the video for uh... Oh Scream. Wasn't that the most expensive music video ever made at the time that it came out? Really? Wow. Yeah. Probably. I thought it was. I, I could be wrong. He did the criminal music video for Fiona Apple, yeah. which definitely oh, wow. was a big part of her breaking out. Uh. Apparently, Shake It Off by Taylor Swift, although I don't think I've ever seen that. No, I haven't either. That song is everywhere. Oh, he did uh, Closer, um, Nine Inch Nails. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, okay. he's a master of the form then. <laughs> I mean, not just because of that, but everything we've listed. Yeah. And so many different presentations for all of yeah. those videos. They all yeah. are so different from each other. Yeah, Scream cost $7 million to make and is cited as one of the most expensive ever made. I, th- I thought that maybe at that time it was the most expensive ever made. Uh, I think we've talked about that song before. I like that song. Yes. I like that, that heavy New Jack swing. Um, okay, well, uh, the album is called uh, Beautiful Freak. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trav, what did, you, what did you think of the album? I thought it was really good. I thought it was really, really good. Um, It was like clear that, you know, the path that he ended up taking as like this um, indie rock auteur, um, like you could hear it on this album, like right from the start. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like an alternative or grunge album. It Mm -hmm. was, uh, it was, it was like a a young, I I don't want to compare him to like Elliot Smith, but like when Elliot Smith moved on and started doing like the, uh, larger pop kind of orchestrated things like you can hear that they could be th- lumped in together. Um, mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, California, Fiona Apple, Amy Mann, things like that. The um, what is it? The Largo uh, kind of group of people that that all kind yeah, of like yeah. I think you've mentioned this to me before, and I'm not very familiar, yeah. but it's basically just a hangout spot for all these people. Yeah, for like these share songs. Yeah, uh, I think Rufus Wainwright too. Yeah, I know Rufus Wainwright and John Bryan collaborated yeah. later. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, like, with John Bryan's uh, touch here, you hear the vibes, you hear the, the Mellotron, like you mentioned, the flutes mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and it just seemed to, to fit him very well. I don't mm-hmm. think Novocaine for the Soul is, like, a very good representation of who he is as an artist on this album. Um, it's it's a cool kind of like outlier of a single and it worked well for him and it probably is the most attention grabbing, but the album itself holds up on its own as being like just a really well-written album from a, a, a solo artist basically. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I guess we should say when we say he, we're talking about E, e. <laughs> the e. the lead singer and the main creative force behind this band is known as E. His real name is Mark Oliver Everett. Um, Quill, what did you think of the record? Yeah, cool, cool album. Um, I liked the kind of um mix of like uh kind of like mid tempo like poppy rock songs like um novocaine for the soul and then the more like orchestrated um not ballads but you know like kind of softer um songs um yeah it it was cool there were a number of songs um that really stuck out to me i think like all of the other singles um were very good and um uh, yeah, the production, which like we were saying, it's a collection of, um, well, for E, E has a production credit, um, John Bryan, Mark Goldenberg, who I couldn't really find any information on. And, mm-hmm. um, Michael Simpson, who is one half of the dust brothers, um, who produced Paul's boutique by the beastie boys and Odelay by Beck, um, to name a couple albums. Um, which totally makes sense. Like uh, to me, I agree. to me, this sounds like, I, from my understanding, like uh, you know, minus whatever Mark Goldenberg did, um, like it sounds like a mix of John Bryan and like a Beck album, basically. Um, yeah, yes. something like Jackass from Odelay sounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's almost that's like ninety percent of that song is a, a, a Van Morrison sample, mm-hmm. but. Um, it has that same mm-hmm, mm-hmm. palette. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Trev, did you know that uh, Eels were on Vagrant Records for yes. an album or two? Yeah, that was a very yeah. weird thing. Yeah. I thought it was like even earlier than that because I remember still being at the point where I was like kind of had an eye on Vagrant Records where like, you know, later on I just didn't and it was like open yeah. up to everything. It was like maybe around the time they had Westerberg on the roster too. Yes. Um, and uh, Lemonheads too. Do you remember that they put that out? That was like 2006. One or two. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was around that okay. time. Okay. Um, yeah. That orange and purple album that was like a double album. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Cool, cool album. I, I, I'm excited to uh, honestly spend some more time with it. I, and good timing too, as we're coming kind of nearing the end of the uh, year um, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of thinking about albums that we really like from 1996. And um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess we're going to go into singles um, I haven't talked a lot about the album, but I think that Susan's House is everything that I like about the album and some of the things that I dislike about the album. So um, I think that Susan's House is kind of a frustrating song, but I also think that it's probably the best uh, the best song that's not Novocaine on the album. Sidewalk where her house burnt down two years ago. People say that back then she really wasn't that crazy. Susan's house Going over to Susan's house 
got a spoken word verse and then the chorus kind of like everything stops and there's this kind of like bruce hornby uh sentimental piano uh where he just sings going over to susan's house or something like yeah, that. yeah i love it's a i love that it's a gladys knight sample it is yeah. okay i love Interesting. I, yeah. lo- I love that part yeah piano yeah. play is great um i thought after first listen ali you said everything really well after first listen i was like <laughs> man i thought about it later on i was like susan's house was really cool i can't wait to go mm-hmm. back and revisit that and for whatever reason i didn't have time to do it for a while and so i was just like building it up in my head and then when i put <laughs> it back on it was like uh, yeah, there are definitely some like momentum halting moments in the song. Where it's yeah. Like, ah. Yeah. The main thing that I'm thinking about is he's got this verse where he describes a young woman walking down the street with a stroller and he stops and he says, I think three times he says that must be her sister, right? That must be her <laughs> sister, right? Like commenting on how young this mother yeah. is. And it's just kind of smarmy and like weirdly moralistic for a 90s alternative. (laughs) Yeah, I thought it made him sound very square. Yeah, yeah. And I was I was reading through some reviews, you know, a lot of reviews were really positive. But I I paused at something from the Chicago Tribune that just kind of suggested that maybe E has some sort of patronizing or condescending Mm. moments. And and I, I sort of noticed some of that. I also just kind of, um, uh, gosh, what was it specifically? Uh, oh, well, we're going to talk about lucky day in hell for a minute, but even just that lyric, this could be your lucky day in hell. is such (laughs) like an Isaac Brock ism to me. Yes. Like if you think about all those modest mouse (laughs) album titles, building nothing out of something good news. For people who like bad news, uh, what else? Um, we were dead before the ship even sank. Uh, he's got so this many This is a those. long drive for someone with nowhere to go or whatever. With the, nothing to think or, about. Or, yeah, that whatever. one's not necessarily a, par- a paradox like so many. But again, it is sort of like a particular like mid to late 90s, early 2000s brand of sort of like male disillusionment that I sometimes kind of roll my eyes at. I think probably largely because all of my friends went through it in high school along with me and now we're embarrassed by it. (laughs) But, you know, there was a moment where it's just like to be a sensitive, dark guy who had clever remarks to make about the darkness of the world. Just, you know, it just seemed like you were the coolest person ever if you were, you know, into that category mm-hmm. and it probably drove some of the women in our lives crazy. But, um, 
I don't know. It just seemed like that was kind of that was in vogue for quite a while there. It's funny that um, uh, mentioning like kind of the Isaac Brock isms, like I I think I always thought E was a Pacific Northwesterner, like a yeah. a, a Portland hipster. And yeah, uh, I can see it. Uh, yeah, I was interested to to read that he was from California. Um, and T, I can confirm the Vagrant record came out in 2005. Alrighty. Yeah. So right around right. that same time. Um, I liked Susan's house enough that it is one, it's one of the standouts to me. I do agree that there are bad, like bad moments in the song. I think it does not end great. Um, but that, that chorus is just awesome. I love it. It's yeah. such a cool, cool move. I, I really like, um, and it happens so rare, but when a chorus is like dialed back from the mm-hmm. verse, we were talking about this recently with, um, the, uh, um, super drag, um, Oh, sucked out. sucked out. Yep. And how the chorus is quiet. Um, it, it's mm-hmm. a cool, just a really cool move. Um, yeah, that's all I got for season's house. Good song title Any... too. I think yeah. actually. Yeah. Any thoughts on the next single rags to rags? Yes. I knew this song without hmm. knowing it. Like I never owned this album or to my knowledge had ever listened to it. But that chorus hit, and I knew the melody exactly. And I was looking for a video or something, because like an official music video for the song, and there isn't one. And so I can't. I don't think it was a promotional. It it wasn't a promotional single. I don't think. Hmm. Like I don't think there was a music video for it. I don't think it was released physically. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I mean, it's 25 years old. I'm sure I haven't heard it in 25 years, but I knew I knew it. You recognized it when you heard it. You were yeah. like, I know this song. That's yes. funny. Yeah. And That's I just really can't funny. figure out how. Uh, it's sort of uh, maybe one of the more straightforward songs on the album, but uh, I think it would be easy to overlook that it's uh, really nicely crafted. It's, it's sort of the, the, the band's approach at its most streamlined, but I, I mm-hmm. think that it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, that would have been the easy, broad single to put out mm-hmm. instead of Novocaine for the Soul, which was uh, strange and, um, you know, its own kind of thing. Rags to rags and rust to rust Um, the next single was Your Lucky Day in Hell, which peaked at 30, number 35 on the UK singles chart, but did not chart in the US. Yeah. And according to Quillen's notes, was featured on 12 Angry Viewers. I haven't heard that name in decades. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of 12 angry viewers and I, when we were first, uh, considering ideas for the podcast, that was something that I had mulling around in my head was a 12 angry viewers, um, <laughs> based podcast. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Something to note. Uh, you'll notice a trend because the next single, I, there wasn't really much information uh about it but they did not chart and on any um chart in the u.s aside from Mm -hmm. novocaine for the soul um yeah your lucky day in hell cool song um i think that's the first single that the john bryan uh kind of vibes uh yeah it's pretty strong part of um yeah just synthy strings um i think i heard vibraphone and mellotron on it um yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, mid tempo, pretty dynamic. Um, it's a it's a cool song. It, it might be. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I would say it's my favorite single, but I think it's up there with Novocaine. And then there's the uh, fourth single also didn't chart is uh, the ballad Beautiful Freak. Mm-hmm. This was uh, not as high of a point for me. I liked it. Uh, another thoughts? Brian, uh, another song with a lot of John Bryan um, mm-hmm. vibes. And uh, I, I liked it for sure. Um, probably not one of my favorites, but it was uh, a good, mm-hmm. good song. What do you think? T? Um, I thought it sounded like the title track. It sounded like the title track of an album. <laughs> <laughs> it really did I and i can't i can't I other see. i can't place it any any other way it wasn't like it seemed kind of special but not particularly great and it definitely seemed like an album track mm-hmm. but it seemed like the moment to kind of establish the um the theme of the album mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did we spend any time talking about john bryan no that's what i want to do uh let's talk about john bryan Okay. He did the Paranorman score. <laughs> That's his claim to fame. That's right. Have you seen Anyways, who's, who's on the charts this week? Um, <laughs> uh, I have seen Paranorman. I saw it in the theater. I've seen it too. Uh, I, I like that funny. animation studio. Anyways, John Bryan is a, um, a producer who is just a brilliant musician who incorporates mm-hmm. lots of like orchestral instruments. Uh, usually vibes are like a, a dead giveaway for a John Bryan song. Um, he did vibes, the eternal strings and Mellotron. Yes. Like the mm-hmm. eternal yeah. sunshine of the spotless mind. Yeah. Like you think of that music, it's John Bryan. That's, that is my, like, that's my connection is eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. And I know yeah. he did, um, uh, punch drunk love, right? Yeah. He did two PT Anderson movies. He did. Well, actually three, I think. Cause I think he did hard eight as well. Mm. Um, Magnolia and punch. Oh, drunk Magnolia. Love. Yeah. Did yeah. he, yeah. 
did he also do the soundtrack to I Heart Huckabee? Yes, I think yeah, so. Yeah, okay. Yep. Um he also um produced a Best Coast album. Oh, <laughs> uh, really? And did did he not produce yeah. some Kanye songs? He did uh, yeah, yeah, on Late Registration. On Late Registration, yeah. And it's um, very obvious that it's him. Yeah, too. yeah. I uh the other thing that I love about John Bryan is um Elliot Smith did some recordings um, uh, on the John Bryan show is what it's called, which I don't really know what that is, but um, just like in John Bryan's studio, it's just Elliot Smith and John Bryan playing Elliot Smith songs. And uh, they do one of the songs they do is um, uh, everything means nothing to me, which is one of my favorite Elliot Smith songs. And it's just like insanely beautiful and devastating. Um, and just awesome, yeah. Everything means nothing to me. 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 Yeah, so he had a role in XO, right? But not Figure Eight. Did he? I wondered. Yeah, and... it was like a, a a co-producer credit or something. Okay, like it didn't seem that he was the primary uh, producer, but no, Doug Bone kinda... or something like that. Yeah, was. yeah, yeah. You can you can pick up some hints of John Bryan's uh, sound, dude. On it, right? Yeah, all over that whole record. Yeah, yeah for so, sure. Uh, Fiona Apple too. I think he did. Yeah, exclusively... he produced title. Oh, okay. And there are moments on, you know, Paper Bag, which is one of my favorite songs of all time, uh, on When the Pawn definitely has some, like, John Bryan type things. He was a man, but he was just a little boy. Hunger hurts, and I want him so bad. All we kill is cause I know I'm a messy, don't want to clean up. I got to focus yeah amy man we talked about magnolia but he did um he did that soundtrack as well as like some songs from bachelor number two i want to say um it's just that that whole sound with that your orchestral flourishes and um yeah stuff like french horn and these very mm-hmm. like sophisticated sort of uh layers to the songs that he produces that um just make it very distinctly his and uh when when it's on it's just amazing stuff um the highlight for me the number one connection to john bryan is the 1998 rufus wainwright solo album uh his debut album which was largely um largely produced by john bryan although a couple tracks were were produced by van dyke parks and van dyke parks does mm, string arrangements geez. for wow. the majority of the record so it's really kind of a dream team Jeez, yeah. and if you have i gotta not, check that album out oh my god yeah it's it's a grower i do have to make you aware that like 
it took me maybe years to love that album, but now it's it's really like an all time fave for me. Um, we'll see if it's my favorite album of '98. I can't think off the top of my head, but um, if you really want to hear the Brian uh, uh, touch, um, April Fools, the the bigger single from that album would be one place to look yeah i remember that song Uh uh-huh that song was amazing But um, I really highly recommend the the John Bryan touches are a little subtle, but the song Beauty Mark is an album track on um, Rufus Wainwright's self-titled album. And uh, we'll do a clip just because I I just want to get it in. But I just think it's a song people should know. It's it's maybe two, two and a half minutes long. And it's just like a total joy. It's just raw Rufus Wainwright. And uh, I love Rufus Wainwright. So that's a, a very rewarding album um and a really cool collaboration i never had it i never wanted it i never had your beauty mark oh did i have your black hair and his eyes my early childhood was not as simple as Remembering that I have it on CD, and uh, I'd ha- I should dig it out or just mm-hmm. listen to it on the internet. Yeah. Um, my favorite, uh, my favorite John Bryan moments are both from the Eternal Sunshine soundtrack. Um, this song uh, is called "Phone Call," which is literally just like a minute long loop of, um, like piano and strings and acoustic guitar and um it is really really gorgeous and haunting um and on the soundtrack he actually has like a kind of like a pop ballad that he sings on called strings that tie to you that is just absolutely gorgeous from the wrinkles on my absolutely gorgeous stunning song makes me want to cry every time i hear it it's just absolutely beautiful um (laughs) yeah it's one of my absolute favorite film scores ever um yeah talented talented man (laughs) 
All right. Well, buckle up because we have a lot of songs we want to talk about on the charts. Um, first off, mainstream rock number one is some piece of shit called Test for Echo by Rush. Uh, right. Number two. I finally is... listened to it. I listened to it and it blows. Come on. <laughs> Thank you, Test guys. for Echo. Thank you. It's so Come bad. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Really, really oh, terrible. <laughs> number two is uh, still the Macarena. Of course, that song's uh, on the charts for ages and ages. The pop, yeah, the number one pop uh, single. Yeah, yeah. But that uh, brings us to the modern rock chart. Uh, I made notes about eight songs I wanted to talk about. Quill had even more, I think. Yeah, but I'm sure there's lots of overlap. So, all right. Well, worth a mention. Um, King of New Orleans is the lead single from Better Than Ezra's second album, uh, <laughs> Friction nope. Baby. And uh, nope. it's quite good. It just is a very good sounding song. It's uh, It's got great guitar sounds and bass sounds, and it's worth checking out. Uh, next on my list was Aneurysm, Live from the Muddy Banks of Wishka. I had this album. I think this is the superior version of Aneurysm. I had never heard the song before. Hmm. I didn't care for it. Really? There's mm-hmm. a very polished studio version of Aneurysm on... Is that on Incesticide? I wonder if it was like a re-released thing. Sorry. I think like a, it might be DGC Rarities, actually. I'm actually pretty sure I the version I listened to was on Incesticide. Uh, let's... We're, we're losing cred by the second here. <laughs> um... It was released originally on Incesticide. Yeah. I think it's at the end of Incesticide. Yeah. 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 Um, Yes, it is. The final track on Incesticide. I'm surprised you didn't know it. When I was a kid, I feel like this was my favorite Nirvana song. I don't remember ever hearing it on 89X. Huh. It's good. It's a good song. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like it really fast here. That yeah, because uh, again, I think the studio version is it's kind of weird. It has like prominent background vocals and like some kind of pop flourishes that are mm-hmm. not what I normally go to Nirvana for. Um, I wish I had listened to this version of it. Yeah, I feel like I think that maybe it has like really prominent Dave Grohl background vocals on it. Oh. <laughs> I was gonna say the slower I mean the studio version, which is slower, I kinda like that transition from the heavy part and into the verses, which is more like a Tom heavy kind of like uh-huh. drum part. I yeah. was kinda kinda like that. Yeah, that's definitely a cool moment. Um I had up next <laughs> I don't know what we can possibly say about this, but El Scorcho by Weezer. Is on the chart. Yeah. How? Yeah. I mean, what do you mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to think about Pinkerton or talk about Pinkerton right now. Like, I feel like it was such a seminal album for me. And I, it's hard for me to think of another album that's had such a significant drop from being like almost everything to me creatively to being virtually nothing to me. And now it even mm-hmm. seems like people are frequently, when they're talking about Pinkerton, they're talking about Rivers's yeah. kind of problematic yeah. Yeah. othering and fetishization of of 
young Asian girls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that there's anything that necessarily like crosses a line on the record. I mean, part of the appeal of Pinkerton was always the candor that it was like so self-abasing that um, it was so brutally frank that like, yeah, it, it, it won you over. He was so you know dedicated to exposing his yeah it was like exposing himself and like um being self-deprecating i think um Mm -hmm. but i do understand that there are problematic elements and you know also it's just kind of like i'm older and like uh i don't know like maybe grew out of that album a little and and i do think that um I think I always liked the blue album more uh, uh-huh. anyways, but, but man, Pinkerton is a great sounding record. Like the production mm-hmm. is amazing. Uh, as you know, someone who pays attention to drums, like awesome, awesome drumming, awesome drum sounds, huge. Um, El Scorcho is not like what I would have chosen as a single at all. I don't think, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's f- I would say it's a song that I still like, but I just don't ever think to listen to that album. For those at home, Travis has fashioned a noose (laughs) out of his headphone cable (laughs) and is strangling himself. I guarantee you that Travis once liked this album very much. I don't want to talk about Weezer. And you could put that on a t-shirt. With my face <laughs> yeah. on it. I'll say I this. I don't to... want to talk about Weezer. I'll they say this. They reach like Dave Grohl levels of like oversaturation. People still give a shit about them for some reason in 2021. Yeah. They put out yeah. an, a shitty album every six months and yeah. everybody's like, ooh, maybe it's going to sound like the Blue Album. Yeah. That yeah. Ship yeah. Is it's sailed. always a return to it's form. Gone. Every time it's, it's a return happening. to form. Weezer sucks. Yeah. They've always <laughs> sucked. They were good for about two years. And they've sucked for 26. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, ah. They put out, they were lightning in a bottle. They put out two good albums and they've been shit ever since. And yeah, uh, agreed. But to keep. It's a great, it's a great sing along song. To it's, keep the Weezer uh, talk going. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> no. the, this, this, I think the silliness is really enjoyable and it's gotten old. But in high school, this was just, this was a blast. This was such a great song. This is probably like the eighth or ninth best song on Pinkerton. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Will will Pinkerton be in consideration for any of our top fives? Probably. I went back and listened to it, but no. Probably only, probably only mine. Will it be, will it have a chance? Yeah. I'll leave it it's funny, f- friend of the pod, uh, Tom Giltrow, when we were in high school, we were we were in a band together that was very heavily Weezer influenced. And I had sort of figured out how to write songs for myself. And he asked me for some advice about how to write songs. And I wish that I still had it. I wrote him a manifesto that was basically all of the evidence for this manifesto was from Pinkerton lyrics. And it was all basically, it was like, think of something you're afraid to say about yourself and then say it. And that was <laughs> basically the guide. That was the guide to how to write a song. And it was, it was really heavily based on Pinkerton. Um, yeah. I and mean, it's not terrible advice, but it shouldn't be the only guideline of the music that you're making. It'll probably be in my top five. I just don't want to talk about it. 
<laughs> Travis, I will laugh my ass off if it ends up in your top five. Uh, next up, a song that I have championed before, but I just think is is pure alternative rock uh, bumble grudge greatness is uh, Angels of the Silences by Counting Crows. Uh, Damn. I think this is a fantastic single. Yeah, that rips uh, some sneaky ass. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even listen to it. What? Oh, where, yeah, no, it's, where it's, did it rank? Um, On the chart? I'll have to take a look. We, uh, it did. It did well. Um, let's see. Angels of the Silences is debuting at number twenty-two. Nice. Well done. Right above a song called "El Scorcho" by Weezer. Mm. Um, it's off of their album mm-hmm. Pinkerton. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. That's enough. Uh, it's great. It's uh, it's uh, fast. It's uh, got great guitar, great guitar solo. Um, Wait, are we talking about El Scorcho? No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hail Hail is on the charts yeah. uh, by Pearl Jam, which we all love. Yeah, I... Uh, uh, dude, No Code, I keep listening to it, and I like it more every time. It is yeah, just... It's great. ...an astounding album. And Hail Hail, as... Our friend Trav likes to say, it rips a little bit of ass. <laughs> it rips a lot of ass, brother. It does. It, it, it does. A shit ton of shitty ass. Um, next up for me is uh, Chicago Local Heroes Local H. Mm. Uh, they had the song Bound for the Floor, which is Chi- kind of a cool. Chicago Local Heroes? Yeah, Local H. They're Chicago dudes. Mm. Wait, really? Yeah. yeah. Why did I think that they were Canadian? Who am I thinking of? Uh, the Tragically H? Yes. That is, <laughs> that is who I'm thinking of. <laughs> oh, yeah, that wow. song was awesome. Uh, Bound for the Floor was awesome. I awesome. loved it. Loved it as a kid. And, I don't uh, think I did. It still holds up pretty well. I don't think I liked it as a kid, and it's awesome now. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, cool, cool groove. Great, uh, great guitar chords. chords. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Trav, Travis chords for sure. <laughs> yeah, and the, sure. the tempo feels like it, like just slightly drags in a way that is um, cool. It's it's very yeah. cool. Yep. Um, if I could talk, I'd tell you by Lemonheads. I gotta say, I guess I don't know much about Lemonheads. I would have sworn I've always liked that song. I would have sworn that it was from the early nineties. I'm I'm nope. surprised to see that this is a late 1996 song. Yeah, it doesn't sound that different than something that could have come out in '92 from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, it's really Best good. There's a moment where it sounds like a toilet's flushing in this song, and I don't quite get it. <laughs> Must be the. I crack. think I know what moment you're talking about. Yeah, Evan yeah. was off the rails here and really, really doing some some gnarly stuff. But um, great pop song, weird yeah. choices. Yeah, around this would have fit in great on either the Kingpin soundtrack or the Black Sheep soundtrack. Oh yeah. Hold on, 
Trev, do you think that that's the best song on Car Button Cloth? Um, yeah, either either that or Tenderfoot. Mm-hmm. I love, um, yeah, I love that. It's Tenderfoot, just, you, know, you put on a mix for me. Yeah, uh, and it's uh, and and you know, I I listened to the album um quite a quite a bit later and got pretty into it. I don't like it as much as um, it's a shame about Ray, but um, yeah, uh, Tenderfoot is like their emo jam for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably, I mean, it's not as good as um, Come On, Feel the Lemonheads or, or It's a Shame About Ray or even the self-titled album on Vagrant in 2006 because mm. um, it's just kind of uneven and a little bit, you know, a little bit off, but mm. it's still a great Lemonheads album um, that's cool to throw on every once in a while and remember mm-hmm. the great high peaks of the album. One of the absolute great album or great artists that we don't talk about enough from the '90s. I don't think we've ever really spent yeah. a significant amount of time talking about the Lemonheads, but they are absolutely. You know, we talk about like bands that sound like the Lemonheads, and we're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, a great '90s sound. But like the Lemonheads were like transcendently fantastic. They were the best at what they did. I think. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, my last song to mention on the Modern Rock chart is debuting at number 35. It is uh, the second single, I believe, from New Adventures in Hi-Fi, Bittersweet Me Mm. by R.E.M. And uh, it's, you know, it's pretty classic R.E.M., but it's just got a really good verse and really good chorus, and the sound palette is just really nice. The and, lead guitar uh, line is awesome. Yeah. 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 The song's really good. Love it. Yeah, I, I liked it. I liked this song. Yeah. Uh, Quill, you had any some other stuff? Yeah. On the Modern Rock chart? Um, so other songs worth mentioning, um, we, we talked about it previously, but the uh, MTV Unplugged version of Over Now by Allison Chains at number 28. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. Um, Hall of Famer. Yeah, baby. (laughs) For real. Um, Some of these maybe are not necessarily songs I care for, but are worth just mentioning to talk about. Um, At number 32, we see The Distance by Cake. Um, Cool bass line, right? Yes. Are we going to have an episode about that? We're going to have an episode about Never There. Never oh, There, oh, yeah. Bummer. Okay. Cool yeah, bass line. Is awesome. cool, bass is very good. Cool production, too. I like the mm-hmm. way the drums sound, the beats good. The guitar sounds are very interesting on this album, too. I can't remember if we're going to have a chance in any way to talk about the song Frank Sinatra, but there are a couple of songs on Fashion Nugget that have this, it's a very brittle guitar tone that is like very unique and very cool. Uh, this band is, is pretty good. Um, I really like the, uh, usage of muted trumpet and like, is it Moog, Moog synthesizer? The like, kind of Snoop Dogg sound. Yeah. yeah. Like at, <laughs> yeah, that's, in, um... in the same part of the song. Like that's such mm-hmm. a crazy combination of things to me. Um, yeah, I, I, I the song is pretty good actually i i think i liked it when i was a kid um and haven't thought of it since then and it surprisingly holds up the uh drum fill when the drums kick in is incredible 
Uh, just in terms of like, no, it's in the verse where it's just like, you know, it's the baseline. And then it kicks in. It's just like snare Tom kick, like boom. And it just like kicks into the, the beat, like such a funky way. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That bass is even like, it's, it's not even fully repeating itself. It goes do, 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 do. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, cool. And then there's the boom, 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 Good bass. Yeah. Good bass. Uh, next song worth mentioning: "Head Over Feet" by Alanis Morissette. Just mentioning that it's there, number thirty-three. We've talked about it. Um, I love it. Um. Let's see. Two more. Um, at number 36, a little band called Tool <laughs> from an album called, well, is it Anima? Is that how you actually pronounce it or is it Enema? I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. But uh, the song is called Stink Fist. <laughs> uh, and it is... I don't know. The drumming on it is awesome. Um, And I liked a song from this album called Eulogy when I was a kid. Um, An eight minute long song. Um, I, I listened to it and it did not hold up. Um, But, but Syncfist is, is pretty decent for a tool song. Um, Yeah, it's cool. The last song I want to mention is uh, from a now very, very problematic feat, uh, uh, problematic um, um, person, Marilyn Manson. Um, he is a piece of shit. Um, the Beautiful People at number 39. Um, We've talked about this song before. Has that already aired or do we need to no. maybe go back and add a note N- that we recorded something before N- certain re- revelations came about? No, we mentioned, um, uh, I think we mentioned it back when we talked about um, the um, tainted or the, uh, what was the cover that he did? Um, Sweet Dreams. Sweet Dreams. Mm-hmm. Is that, we already released that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sorry about the shop talk. Yeah, uh, beautiful people. Um, I think we all, when we mentioned it, we all kind of liked it. Um, yeah, rhythmically yeah. fascinating. Um, super, super heavy. Yeah, mm. fuck Marilyn Manson though. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that's it. That's all I got. Cool. Uh, let's rate Novocaine for the Soul by Eels, who would like to begin. I guess I can go. Uh, Novocaine for the Soul is a good song. I give it four Nuva Rings for the Soul. <laughs> um, I will give Novocaine for the Soul 4.25 Beloved, Beautiful, Monstrous, Blood Freaks. I'm going to give this 4.5 animas of the state. 
cool. which means that this is in. That'll do. I'm surprised. I I, I didn't I think that that surprised. would happen. Okay. Well, cool. Yeah, Welcome that's a, that's a hall of hall of famer. Yeah. Well, cool to get a one off in there. Um, is E a Nirvana wannabe? I don't think so. No. Tell me all your thoughts on Pod as part of the Off Shelf family. Head to offshelf.net to sign up for their monthly zine. The best, most fun way for us to communicate with all of you is via our Facebook group. Tell me all your thoughts on Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. However, we still love receiving your emails at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. I swear we check it a couple times every year. I, uh, I've started checking it uh, like pretty much every other day. Okay. All right. Thank you, Quillen. Uh, you can listen along with our playlist on Spotify, Apple Music, or watch along on YouTube. <laughs> having, having, having talked about this miserable song, uh, I'd like to take a moment to talk about my own misery. Uh, my parents didn't like me. For bathtub toys, they gave me a blender and a transistor radio. And uh, speaking of uh, my mom specifically, my mom took me to a dog show. And I won. (laughs) But that's not the least of my family problems. I walked in on my wife and the milkman. The first thing she says is, don't tell the butcher. I tell you, I tell you, no respect is what I got. (laughs) Uh, And speaking of what I got, next week we'll be talking about the song, What I Got by Sublime. Oh, that was rough. <laughs> uh, all right. See ya. Bye. <laughs> Bye.